You know, it's kind of like when you, my wife decided the other day, she saw this uh, beautiful Pacifica minivan, and it seats eight, and we just happen to have about that many, I think, probably in the house, and it works out real good, and, and she liked the color of it, decided she wanted it, and, and I said, huh, that's, you know, that's a nice van, and she bought the van, and, and uh, it's funny, after that, I began to see 5,000 vans that same color same make same everything now, I don't know what color it is because I'm colorblind uh, but nonetheless it's either maroon or it's red or it's some version of that but it it looks nice all except for that spot where Jose hit it with a basketball and told me not to tell mom about it the other night and uh, you know it's just when I begin to seek the Lord about what I should uh, uh, speak about when brother Kyle had asked me to do this this morning I had, um, the Lord had spoke to me about unity, and it seems like the last three services, that's what we've heard, is unity. But apparently it's a theme and a thread that the Lord wants us to stay in today. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to John 17, St. John chapter 17. You didn't know, uh, Lenore, that I mowed grass and preached, did you? She had no clue. I don't preach too much to them out there, although I used to years and years ago. We used to go every Thursday night when we were at Potoka and preach out there and had a great time, saw a lot of great things happen. The last time I preached out there was a service, Sister Sandy, for your father when he was out there. And that was an enjoyable time out there that we had. And I enjoy mowing out there because it is a profitable adventure. So I'm thankful for that i got to get on my old man reading glasses as I get started today. My eyes just aren't as good as they used to be. I am a young man. I love her. She's awesome. John 17, 11, this was Jesus was praying for his disciples. He said, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Let me uh, readjust these glasses and get started again. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Jesus was praying that unity would get a hold of the disciples. It was something that Jesus felt so very strongly about. He not only would speak about it, but he would pray prayers to heaven that let there be unity in all those who work. And he prayed, let's also go to... Verses 20 through 22. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. He was saying, Jesus was praying a, a prayer here as he began. He was praying a prayer for the future believers that would believe on the words that the disciples would preach and teach to them. In verse 21 it says that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory that, which thou gavest, I have, uh, gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. One of the defining characteristics of Christians is that there should be unity among you and I as a body of believers. 
One of the things that we need to understand and know that it's not always, are we always going to agree or see eye to eye, but there is something more than my opinion and something greater than my opinion today, and that is the unity of a body of believers because as the old saying says, united we stand and divided we fall. There has to be a coming together, but unity has to be wrapped around something more than just a thought or a notion or an idea. Idea, or a decision to go this direction or go that direction. Brother Mark, good to see you this morning. Didn't see him back there. Unity on the surface might be defined as we all feel the same way about something. You know, it amazes me. I, there's been times when I was younger in, in my ministry and I didn't feel that it was a, a problem me, share, me sharing my thoughts and feelings about politics and things like that. I mean, they say there's two things you don't argue in politics and religion, and when you're a preacher, you might as well argue the other one too. And it amazes me how many people that I thought normally and reasonably intelligent that didn't agree with me about certain things. It just blew my mind that, that not everybody could see that our president that we have now is one of the greatest things that ever happened to America, and I thank God for our president. You know what side I'm on now, just so you were wondering, like you didn't know from the previous 19 years that I've been here. But unity has got to be something more than we all feel the same way about it. I started to use the analogy of the lemming. All of you have heard of the lemming, the little rodent animal, and it looks like just all of a sudden for no reason that they just decide to go out and... and uh, Run, jump off a cliff and kill themselves. Just, you know, somebody said, hey, get up that morning thinking, well, what are we going to do today? Let's jump off a cliff and kill ourselves. And, but you know that the more I got to studying about that, Brother Blake, I found up that was some made-up Hollywood junk, that that's not really the way these animals behave. In their migrations, they fall off cliffs, or they think that, you know, probably the guys, because, you know, guys believe that they're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, and they can jump off cliffs and be okay, and you know, we would have never went to the moon and done many of the wonderful and strange things in life we've done had it not been for crazy men. And I'm thankful for the crazy men. But you know, unity has got to be defined as something more than we just feel the same way about it. There has to be a basis. There has to be a foundation. There has to be something that you and I would stand on. And many times in trying to find out what something is, we need to first, uh, for me it works, find out what unity is not. Sometimes that will give us an understanding. I heard my father-in-law say one time when, when, uh, back when I first got married, that WWJD, what would Jesus do? And my father-in-law said, you know what? I wish I could say more than I knew what Jesus would do, but I sure know what he wouldn't do. So sometimes in finding out what something is, we need to decide what it isn't. Uh, I want to give some examples of this in the Word of God, the unity of Joseph, now, now some of you, and I understand that this was in the will of God, but in the hearts and the minds of Joseph's brothers, they plotted to kill him. They agreed together that this would be a good thing. Have, have you ever stood around and talked to a teenage boy or a group of teenage boys? Here not long ago, the, the boys were out at Forbes Lake, and I was privileged to be out there with them. 
And I got to listen to some of their ideas and their thoughts and their thinking. And I said to myself, dear God, Dale, that used to be you. You know, I, I, I used to, and it was so comical. My son, Jared, and Blake Chastain are just about two burrs and a mule's tail, and they act just exactly alike. And they would come every once in a while to me and say, hey, we're thinking about such and such. What do you think about that? And I looked at them and I said, don't tell me which one come up with it because I, I just, I, I cannot, I said, let me give you a little insight on what's going to happen on the other side of this decision. And they're like, oh, we didn't think about that. I truly believe that one of the dumbest forms of human life is a teenage boy. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But you know what? Every once in a while I see them agree together. I had this, and I've probably told the story, bought a brand new truck one time. And all the boys were buying new trucks, and they were climbing hills and mudding and playing in them. And I wanted to be just like all the rest of the cool guys who rolled their shirt sleeves up, who liked to run around with cowboy boots on and, you know, talk a little slang and crazy and I wanted to be just like those crazy country boys so I wasn't quite like them they had the jacked up four-wheel drive American trucks and I had a two-wheel drive long bed single cab Mazda with a two-liter engine and a five-speed and an AM radio and I was cool in that truck no I wasn't I just thought I was and I decided if all the other boys were going to go mudding and I had went with them and we had fun and I decided I'm going to go and mud myself and I went and found this hill that I could not climb and I tried all night long. Finally went home that night. The next morning I come back bright and early because that hill was not going to whip me, Brother Dave. And as I was pulling down that rock road that I had just assumed was an old country road was a lease road to an oil well. And on the other side of that big dirt mound that God in his grace and mercy would not allow my little junk rice burner to climb over was a 10-foot deep saltwater pit. You know, sometimes just agreeing together that something is good or cool or wonderful is not a good idea. There was a unit united front from the brothers of Joseph that they had decided that they wanted to kill him. There was another example of the unity of Israel when they convinced Aaron to build a golden calf. They had got in their mind that it would be a good idea. It seems like God had checked out on them and they were going to find something to worship. And we get in so much trouble when we begin to give our praise and our adoration and all that we are unto anything that is not the one true God of heaven today. But you see, they would agree together that this might be a good thing. There is another example of the unity of the people that were afraid to take possession of the promised land. God had promised them and they began to whine and complain because of the onions and the cucumbers 
and the things that they had there. Had they forgotten the beatings that they endured and the slavery that they were involved in? Yes, they had forgot that. And it amazes me when we begin to put stock in things that are not the living word of God. When we begin to be a part of things, it, it amazes me when I look at men and they have adjoined themselves to certain causes or certain things. And I begin to wonder what is it in their heart or their mind. It doesn't bother me that I'm not like this world is today. Because the world comes up with some really strange ideas like let's go kill our babies. What a wonderful idea. Let's just go do that. You know the thing that amazes me? One that used to go here, Brother Travis Lloyd told me that they wanted to know one thing from him when he began to run for that, uh, uh, what was it, state rep or whatever it was he ran for. They asked him one thing. We want to know your views on abortion. Are you out of your ever-loving mind? If God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, before I ever caused there to be a you, there was already a you because I had the plan in motion that you would become alive on the face of the earth. Why in the world would somebody ever agree with anyone that believes that way? There's another one here, the unity of David's men who were convinced he should kill Saul in that cave because they were sure God had delivered Saul over to David. But no matter if, if Saul was right or wrong, the word of the Lord still says, touch not, my prophet, or, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. It doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. You pray for them. God will take care of them. But they were sure that it was okay for David to take the life of a king simply because surely the Lord had put him there in that place for David to kill him. You let God do God's work. You know, I don't understand why people sometimes, you know, just because you think something and you can get someone to agree with you doesn't make either one of you right. There was another one here where the unity of the Jews that stoned Stephen to death because they could no longer stand to listen to his message. Hope no one brought rocks in here today. They just decided because the message that he preached I preached in a church not long ago. It was amazing. I preached to them in Acts chapter 2 about these Jews that Peter was telling them, you know what, you've been looking for this Messiah. And as Jesus was telling you all the time before Abraham was, I am. He told you who he was. He said, me and my father are one. You need to understand these things. And they couldn't quite get their head around Jesus being the Messiah that he was supposed to be. And they killed him for it. And Peter said, you know what? You men of Israel, you understand and know that you have just killed Messiah is what you've done. And they said, oh, man, now what are we going to do? And he said, you need to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and fill with the Holy Ghost, and that will take care of this wrong religion thing in your life. And I, <laughs> I tell you what, it amazes me that you can read the Word of God. How in the world? I, I used to read things in here. Had someone call me one night, talked to me literally. I saw on the phone bill back when you got phone bills from the landline, talked 100 minutes to this person. 
And they for a hundred minutes nearly went on trying to tell me why it was all right for this woman that had lived for God for so many years. All of a sudden she had received this grand revelation where it was okay for her to chop her hair off and that was acceptable. And I said, you know what? You're trying to tell me because the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul went and gave very explicit instructions on how we should live our life and our body is not ours and what we should do and then all of a sudden say, but if you have any problem with what I'm saying, just forget it. It didn't mean anything. Do you really think that that's what the man of God is going to waste all his time to tell you what he thinks is good and then tell you ignore it if you don't agree with it? I got more important things to do like catch catfish than do that. You know, we, just because we agree with someone, these are the wrong kinds of unity. We need to understand that. True biblical unity is characterized by God's, or by being grounded in the knowledge of God's truth, being in complete agreement with Him in spite of what all others do or say. And unity is never, ever defined by He who has the most votes. That is not what unity is. Unity is never defined that way. I want to give you a few examples of true unity. It is the unity of David against Goliath. David championing God's cause when nobody else would ever care to do that because it was the will of God that that would happen that day. He stood up and said, is there not a cause? Isn't there a reason this man defies the armies of the living God? You know what? Jesus wanted the disciples to go out into the streets and fill it with their doctrine. We need to understand and know today that there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all today. And his name is Jesus Christ, King of glory. And beside him there is no other. And that's the doctrine you and I must be united under today. It is not a part of a triune deity today. It is not two of these or three of those. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, is one Lord. And that's what we unite together under today because it's only the truth of the Word of God that will ever make you free. I need the truth of the Lord today. I go into the jails and I'll preach to them about the goodness of the Lord and what a man named Jesus because of his sacrifice can do for you. I've got to stand and be united tonight or today behind the truth of the Word of God. And the amazing thing, and I want to tell every one of you that are here, maybe you're here, maybe you're not, to preach inside those jails. They say when the men of the apostolic church and the women will come and preach the gospel and spread things in our lives and say things to us, we feel things in our heart and our mind we've never, ever experienced before. And I said, I want to tell you why that is. That's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is the Holy Ghost. That is God that will change your life forever. And I thank God to Matt and Alicia for the work that you're doing. I know I got more stuff to teach. I just felt a little preach come on. I just got to 
get this thing out of me. And I'm thankful for what you're doing because I'm seeing lives change forever. But it's not because of me and my children and it's not because of you. It's because of the spirit of the one who come to set us free today. And I unite myself under that common cause. Labors together with you to see our world saved. Give the Lord a hand of praise today. I thank you for this, Lord. Hallelujah. Another example of true unity is the unity of Elijah against the 450 prophets of Baal when there seemed to be no one else serving the one true God. I don't have time to add things to Jesus. He is everything to me. It is the unity, there's another, the unity of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in replying to Nebuchadnezzar, we are not going to serve your gods when it seemed like everyone else was going to. I remember when I was in the third grade, they decided in P.E. class that we were going to dance. Who in the world thought that that was proper curriculum. And it's, you know, I was torn because I didn't want to dance with some guy. But I really didn't want to dance with a girl either because when I was three, I was, uh, when, when I was in the third grade, I was probably nine years old. I may have been 14 in the third grade. I don't remember. But, but I, I didn't want to do that. So I decided that I was going to go home and talk to my mom about it because my mom loved God and dad loved my mom and whatever mom thought dad did. So that worked out real good for me. So I said, Mom, they're dancing to P.E. She said, Son, I don't agree with that kind of stuff. That ain't good. And I said, uh, Well, let me go talk to Brother Tatum, my pastor. And I went and talked to Brother Tatum. He said, I don't feel like that's very appropriate. It could cause things to happen in your mind and in your spirit, and we don't believe in it. And I would like to write you a letter and and you not be a part of this. And I said, okay. I didn't want to be a part of it anyway. So I scored one right there with pastor. And and he wrote the letter, and I went and gave it to my PE teacher. And I sat there, and I remember even to this day the feelings that I felt. There was moments I wanted to be just like the rest of them because I was the lone wolf sitting on the stage when everybody else was doing their thing because I was that weird, apostolic, crazy guy that didn't believe in all of these things that the world believed in. And I don't know that I even believed it then. I just knew that mom said it wasn't good and pastor said it wasn't good. And can I just tell you sometimes... Until you get a walk with Jesus on your own, you know what? Sometimes what mom says and what pastor says should be good enough for you. I heard a pastor say, Brother Frazee, one time, until you get some convictions of your own, just live by some of mine. That'll help you out. I agree with that today. I agree with that. Sometimes I wanted to be like the rest of them. It was five years ago before I bought my first four-wheel drive truck, Brother Dave. And how many times you think I went and took that truck that I paid a lot of money for out in the mud and banging and beating it around? You see, I realized something. All them boys was living out of daddy's pockets. And my boys, well, good for them. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Another example of true unity is the unity of Jesus driving the businessman from the temple. 
You know what? When we align ourselves with the truth of the Word of God and what is right, we begin to see our life will be changed forever. I want to go on. I got some more interesting stuff, and I'm about halfway done here. The real danger to unity in the church is when we are no longer rooted and grounded in the truth and doctrine of God's Word but are guided by feelings and emotions alone on what we think is right. There have been times that you and I have all felt like saying, watch the use and throwing in the towel and walking away. Well, I have anyway. There are times when I didn't want to get up and go to the house of God because you know what? I knew that, and this hasn't been recently, so you can, you know, don't have to worry about that. Uh, not recently that I had this feeling anyway. Because there's times at, at my young 49 and a half years old that I just hurt terrible. And I just don't always feel like doing the things that I know I should do. But I remember the, the times when I didn't want to go to church because I knew I had messed up that week. And I knew that pastor was a man of God and was going to say things to me and that the worship service was going to sing songs about what I had just done that week and that the guy that stood up leading service was going to read my mail perfectly and I didn't want someone to remind me of my faults and my failures but it's in moments like that that I remember that my cleansing and my hope is in God today and nothing else and it doesn't matter when I fall I need to have the mentality that I shall arise and become something more than what I was the day before. There is something inside of me that I want to have that unity with my Savior. But not only that, I love it that I can be in a church and a group of people that can agree together that Jesus is the only thing in this life that has real value and merit and worth. And I'm thankful today because of that. I need that today. But when we are guided by our feelings and our emotion we lose every time you know I had a decision I needed to make here a while back and I saw my sister-in-law Cheryl with the phone are you recording that for your mother I'm getting ready to talk about my mother-in-law here real quick I love you I really do she treats me better than she should that's true I finally grew up, and we get along a lot better now, so I'm thankful for that. But She was saying in this decision that I had to make, you know, God will give you a peace about it. Well, I'm sure God will, but that ain't the way I roll. I'm not worried about if God gives me peace or doesn't give me peace. When the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one that speaks into my life, and I know and understand his voice because his sheep know. And I can hear the voice of God, and God says yes or no. That is the end of it for me right there. Because when God speaks, I want to listen, and whatever God says, I have found out in my life is going to be the best thing for me. So when God, you want to know the greatest way God will speak to you? Right here in the living word of God. 
God. And when you will continue to line yourself up with this living word of God, the spirit of God will speak things into your life to give you the stability that you need. But we have got to be united in our decision, not just emotional of does it feel good, does it not feel good, is it right or is it wrong. What I want to know is what is thus saith the word of the Lord in my situation because his word is forever settled in heaven and it cannot fail. There is something wrong with the world that feels that divorce is no big deal. Are you hearing me today? I believe today and there have been times as sweet and wonderful as my wife is, I couldn't stand her guts. She's shaking her head, and I know she feels the same way at times. And back younger, when we were dumber and began to run our mouth reckless about stuff, she'd say, you only married me for this reason or for that reason. And it's been, I don't know, a lot of years we've been married. She was 18 years old when we got married, so it's been a long time. Long. No, I'm kidding. I used to say that I loved her to death. I just didn't know death was going to take so long to get here. <laughs> but you know, we're like any couple. We've had some ups and downs and some real hard times. And there's times, Brother Blake, it didn't feel good. And it didn't feel like a wonderful thing at the moment. But I kept reminding myself, as Brother Kyle and Brother Gene have said, I made this decision when I was in my right mind. And I'm going to stick with that decision, come hill or high water, because I refuse to not share the sanctity of marriage with every generation that comes after me because I believe they need to see and understand, although it's a struggle, the value of it is so much greater than the cost that it costs you. And I hate divorce and I hate what it does to people, but it amazes me that for the last two years, I believe is, is, is what the, the, the commentator had said, the divorce rate in the church has been higher than the divorce rate in the world. God hates divorce. And why people will rally themselves around something like that blows my mind. And they said, well, Moses gave us a writing of divorcement. And Jesus said, yeah, and it's because of the hardness of your heart he did it. You know, you want to see the testimony of a true man? Brother Gene was talking about, his, was it his grandfather? His mother was in a wheelchair from early on. There are certain aspects of that marriage that can no longer come into play. And he stayed there and stayed faithful no matter what happened. And sometimes, men, it may be hard, but I look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, and I begin to realize when I got crazy as the bride of Christ and I'd done stupid stuff, you know what he did? He forgave me and he kept on loving me and kept on providing for me and kept on being good for me. I don't ever want to rally 
align my mind or my emotion around things of this world that are not founded in the living word of God. My unity with my brothers has to be so much more than just an emotion today or a feeling or a thought or a series of lessons. It has got to be something that I stand on today. There has to be a base for me to stand on in my unity I don't understand why people get some of the thoughts they do in their head. I want you to go to Psalms 133 if you would. Amen. And I've got to hurry. Amen. I, I don't know about you, but I'm having fun today. I'm having so much fun, I'm going to try to choke down a drink of this water. We were on our way to church, and I asked my wife, I said, do you pronounce that water Dasani or Dasani? And she said, Dasani. I said, good, that way I can be politically correct when I... Uh, All right, that actually wasn't bad. Do you know that our president quoted this verse here? I'm assuming he thought it was found in 2 Corinthians, though, so. Uh, there's a couple of you that got that. Behold how good and how pleasant. Now, if you would just stop right there, behold how good and how pleasant. It just kind of feels like you're sitting on a beach somewhere with uh, two caramel macchiatos and a bunch of Nutter Butter cookies and possibly a pork burger. I love pork burgers. And a ribeye steak and mashed potatoes and corn and just food in general. And, and you're, you're sitting there and there's a nice breeze blowing through your tent that you're in and you're having a good time and life is good how good and how pleasant how wonderful how awesome that it is you remember the time when you've been just really relaxed and felt so good and so wonderful and things were great how good how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity not just I'm not just talking today uh, when I speak of uh, dwelling together, we're not just talking about fellowship because I've seen a lot of people get together and never be able to agree. I remember when Nancy Pelosi was, was, uh, uh, became the uh, Speaker of the House and George Bush uh, stood there and for the first time, I believe it was in the history of, of America, he said, Madam Speaker. And I sat there and in that moment, the camera scanned the crowd and you could tell where the Republicans were sitting and where the Democrats were sitting. They were all there in one room together, but there couldn't have been a bigger divide in that house. It was funny. One person of one party would say one thing, and the people of their party would stand and clap, and everything was good. And they were leaving after the meeting was over, and everybody was shaking hands and even some hugging necks and everything. And I'm thinking... Yeah, just wait till 8 a.m. in the morning. Things are going to change. I'm not talking about just a coming together of a group of people. I'm talking about something that we are together for a very specific reason, and that is unity. One time I remember 
we were in McDonald's over in Greenville shortly after I'd gotten married and and my wife's family was all there and they were kind of standing in different spots and my father-in-law was standing there reading the menu and the young lady looked up at my father-in-law and she said, are you all together? He said, yes, I am. Are you all together? (laughs) That's not exactly the unity I'm speaking of right there. Not just a coming together and a being together is not the purpose. You know, if you want to know what this, uh, this unity was like, here's what it is. It is like, well, isn't that appropriate in verse 2, the precious ointment upon the head that round, ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garment, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the, the mountains of Zion, for there, and we're going to see where there is in just a moment, the Lord commandeth the blessing, even life, forevermore. You know, this oil, the funny thing was, uh, in fact, I, I have it here somewhere on page 16, I believe. Uh, in Exodus 30, 25, it said that this oil that God commanded Moses to make, take 500 shekels worth of myrrh, and myrrh was a scraggly-looking old tree that grew sometimes just out of rock. It wasn't anything to be desired, and they would take the resin or the sap from it by scoring the bark and and catching the things that was left there. And of sweet cinnamon, only half as much, 250 shekels, and sweet calamus, also only 250 shekels, and cassia, 500 shekels, and olive oil, a hen, excuse me, glad that didn't come out. Of olive oil, a hen, which is about five to six quarts, a gallon and a half, approximately. And they would get all of these materials, and the cinnamon was the inner bark of that tree that they would strip off, and the different things that they would grab. And the thing that amazes me the most, you know, I used to wonder as a child why it was that the pastor was always the one up there doing all the talking. I felt like I surely had a thing or two that I could provide that might be of some value. Turns out I was wrong, but I felt that way anyway. But, but you know, it says I want 500 shekels worth of this and only 250 of this, although it's a sweet thing, and only 250 of this, and then this ugly thing I want 500 shekels of, and, and this thing over here I want 500 shekels, and I want all of this together. You know the thing that amazes me the most? Having unity doesn't mean that I get the one, I'm the one that gets to hold the microphone every Sunday. Unity means nothing that I'm the one always teaching the Sunday school class or driving the van or doing whatever. Fact is, being part of a united body, sometimes uh, it's just being a faithful child of the living God. Uh, it may not be any limelight. It might not be anything where anyone ever hears uh, my voice other than God himself. Uh, but I've come to tell somebody today, uh, all of these ingredients, principal spices, uh, was taken, some of them were plants and flowers and trees and fruits and different things that they took different amounts of all of it and they mixed it all together and they would put it in that olive oil and they would let it sit in that olive oil and I did some studying on the art of the apothecary and that just I just like saying that word apothecary that sounds good it just rolls off your tongue the apothecary well it does mine anyway so just like pork chops do and I and I I, I 
I began to look at it, and they'd take these spices and these resins and things, and they would drop it in. And, and you know how things settle over time, and they would begin to fall down, and they would take that jar, and they'd begin to shake it again. <laughs> and they would mix that stuff up. And they would do that for a while and then they would take and they would strain that oil and strain out the ingredients, the things. And what was left behind was the sweet-smelling aroma. Now, each and every one of them in and of themselves were not able to have that kind of benefit. They, they weren't able. It was only the combination of every one of them that made it something wonderful and made it something holy. You know, it doesn't matter how much or how little it seems like. I value myself in the kingdom of heaven. To God, you are important today. And if you are in this church, you are important to God. And I've asked God to give me a love for everybody, man, woman, boy, or girl, no matter where they come from, when they walk through those doors, to have the love of Jesus Christ in me because when you add them with me and you and you and you, something amazing begins to happen in the house of God and all the things that are there that are virtuous and good, the Spirit of God which is, which is represented by the oil will begin to draw and extract those things and together we can be something so much more than what we would have ever become on our own. I've come to tell you brothers and sisters I need you and you need me today and without you I'm nothing today I believe this with all of my heart give the Lord a hand of praise oh thank you Jesus thank you Lord they would mix those things together and they would have to shake that I heard a preacher preach one time if you got it shake it I'm just afraid something's going to shake loose if I do that anymore i got to find page 18 and then I'm done. You would think I would at least number them or something. Oh, that's not it. That's not it. Maybe I should just do the even pages like Brother Gene did. That's not it. Ah, oh, here we go. I knew I'd find it. You know, the amazing thing about this holy anointing oil that was a composition of oil and many other things all added together do you know that Aaron and his sons were not permitted to stand and minister unto the Lord until they had been anointed with this very thing the the writer David is saying you want to know what unity is like it's like this oil right here it's like all of these things coming from so many different places and varying amounts of each and every one of them all mixed together and that oil extracting the goodness and the values and the things out of them and makes it one thing that is so precious and so holy and so wonderful. He said this is what unity is like. This is what it's like. And until that began to come on, I want to tell you something. I have seen preachers that was pretty good preachers, but it seemed like they were just uh, rogue agents of something. They were a one-man show. I want to tell you what, if we ever get to a place to where everyone is not valuable in our church, we will never be able to do the work of the Lord like we need to be doing. We will never rise up above what the churches of this world has ever become if we don't allow the Spirit of God to do a work in 